0: Good morning, we're going to do something a little different from a message standpoint. This morning officially concludes about a three-year study, processing, lots of discussion, lots of prayer. To say it's been a journey, really, it would be an understatement in, in what I'm trying to uh, communicate this morning. The conclusion, which I'm going to continue to tease out, isn't one that, I'll, honestly, I was personally excited about at first, but it is one that I believe is not only biblical, but is right for our church. And to kind of close that loop in your mind, if you're still thinking Why isn't Andy excited about it? I am excited about it now. You want to know what it is? Good, you're in the right place. Before we discuss it, let's pray. God, just thanks. Thanks that we can have some fun. But God, more importantly, we want you to come right now by the power of your Holy Spirit. Just meet us where we are. God, continue to morph us and change us into more of your image. Help us to be different than we walked in this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Andy. If I haven't introduced myself or met you, thanks so much for coming. If this is your first time here, uh, we're so glad you're here. We're concluding our series, Go Love Live, where we've been talking about how to live out our mission, not just as a church body, but individually in our own lives. What does that look like each and every day? And certainly we've covered lots of ground and covered lots of aspects of that, but in no way have we completed the conversation on this topic. We will literally spend the rest of our lives learning how to Be Better Disciples of Jesus. A disciple is simply a learner of Jesus. In our context, that includes going to the missing, loving the marginalized, and living as God's kids. Today, we're headed to Titus chapter 1. If you're following along in your Bibles, if you don't have one, as Jeff mentioned, by all means, they're free. Grab one now. You're absolutely welcome to get one. And there's a few journals left. If you want to grab one of those, you can take message or notes from today's message. And it tells you a little bit about our reading plan that we've been doing all year. This is uh, this whole letter, Greek, uh, this whole letter of Titus. Um, Titus was a Greek follower of Jesus, and he was really a co worker, a trusted co worker of the Apostle Paul, who writes most of the New Testament, including this specific letter that we're going to look at today. He helped Paul through a number of crisis situations in the past, and in this letter, he's going to be given some pretty uh, big marching orders. This specific letter, we discover that Paul's assigned Titus to the task of going to Crete. Crete is a large island off the, the um, coast of Greece, and he wants Titus to go restore the order of these house churches that are kind of lost their way a little bit. Cretan culture, where all of this takes place, was notorious in the ancient world. One of the Greek words for being a liar was the Greek word krititos, or to be a Cretan. So they're known as a lying community. These people were known for their greed and treachery, This island city was well known for being unsafe, plagued by violence and sexual corruption. However, the island of Crete had many strategic harbors. It serviced lots of different cities in the Mediterranean Sea. And from Paul, the Apostle Paul's point of view, it was the perfect place to start a network of churches to get people to know and love Jesus. Now, we're not sure of all the details, but what we do know is somehow these churches came under the influence of this corrupt Cretan church culture, this leaders, and they are invaded this Christ-following community. They said they were Christ-followers, but if you looked at the actions of the churches, they didn't really reflect that claim at all. So Paul assigns Titus to the task of going there to set everything straight. So with that historical information and background, let's jump into this letter and see what Paul has to say. It says, Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, and the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time, and which now at his appointed season he has brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God our Savior, to Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Savior. Paul clearly states that God does not lie. Again, this is in direct contrast to their culture, their their belief system, really. They believe that God Zeus was born on the island of Crete. And Zeus is known to be a liar and a deceiver. After this introduction, Paul then begins to lay out the plan. This is how Titus can restore order to these churches. He says, The reason I left you in Crete was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are open, are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So many things we could say here, but first... I want to kind of close the loop. If everybody's been listening through this lens of trying to figure out what we're going to announce, I'm going to quickly announce that, and we're going to get back to the order at hand. But I want to announce it so you can take off that detective hat and put on your disciple's hat. Blue Ash Community Church will be moving to eldership. Some of you may not know we didn't even have elders. Others of you aren't sure maybe what our leadership structure actually is. Stay with me. We're going to get to all of that this morning. But first, we need to unpack a few things. But I got to make sure. Do you have that disciples hat on now that we know what we're, we're talking about? Okay. These verses that we looked at are part of four, maybe five other sets of verses that most churches qualify who can or can't be an elder. I'm not going to dive deep into those weeds this morning. We simply do not have time. But it is important to recognize our position as it relates to who can and can't be an elder. So I want to take a moment and read with you our definition of elder as it's written in the elder role description as we have it today. The call to the office of elder is what we would call a fine work as outlined in 1st Timothy chapter 3. The term elder and overseer are used interchangeably throughout the New Testament. The first term seems to emphasize the dignity and maturity of the office, while the second emphasizes the duty and the nurture and to feed the flock of God. The elders in the New Testament were pastors, as outlined in Ephesians 4, bishops, as outlined in Acts 20, leaders or rulers of the flock, as outlined in Hebrews 13, 1 Thessalonians 5. While some of the duties of elders are described in the New Testament, much more is written directly about the qualifications for those being considered for the office. As much with the Christian life, the emphasis is on who we are becoming in Christ, since that really depend, determines what we actually do. I'm going to shift and read you the qualifications of an elder and take a brief moment to take, talk about those two main areas of service. Qualifications as an elder, as we have them defined, found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and Titus chapter 1, which we have read. Virtuous, having or showing a biblical moral standard. Nothing sinful in their life for which to accuse them. Devoted to their husband or wife. More on that in a minute. Temperament, sober in judgment. Prudent, discreet, sound-minded. Respectable, well-balanced, not abrasive. Hospitable, loves and to host strangers. Able to teach, discerns, and communicates sound doctrine. Theology, what we would say we believe. Not addicted to wine, which would equally... Include other alcoholic substances, drugs, etc. Not combative, not given to physical violence. Gentle, reasonable, under control. Uncontentious, avoids fighting. No lover of money, not greedy or irresponsible concerning money. Manages their own household, attentive to their family, and raises their children in a Christ centered home and hopes that they too grow to know and love God. Not a new convert, the emphasis is on spiritual maturity. Not just years since conversion, there are plenty of Christ followers that are more mature two years in than some that have been believers for 10, so it's about the maturity process. Good reputation with unbelievers, respected in the community at large. One quick note here, this is not about perfection. Nobody can fulfill those things in perfection. If we were looking for perfection, we would have one elder, and that would be Jesus Christ himself. Here's how we have described the two main areas of service as it relates to eldership. As I've previously mentioned, the practical responsibilities of elders can be grouped in these two areas of service. The first of these is ministry, which includes ensuring that the church continues to operate in accordance with the core values, beliefs, and missions to which we have committed ourselves. This includes modeling, teaching others to Translate these values into the behaviors of their own lives. This is what this whole series has been about. Biblically, these are called out as shepherding the flock, as you would read in Acts chapter 20, or teaching, 1 Timothy chapter 3, and guarding against error, Titus chapter 1. The second areas of service would be stewardship. This includes discharging the fiduciary responsibilities of the organizations as trustees and managing the assets of the church. That's all aspects. Biblically, this is termed ruling or general leadership as outlined in 1 Timothy chapter 5. In our role description, we have outlined the duties of an elder, the ordination of an elder, the timeline of an elder, and, of course, the steps to becoming an elder. And I understand this could have opened up a lot of questions for some of you. For others who are new to faith or new to church, this all might be new information. Yet still, there may be some of us who may not understand why we even need this kind of leadership. For all of you with questions, here's what I'd ask you to do. Capture them, capture all your questions. Let's grab coffee or a lunch or a phone call. For those that may be new and aren't sure why we need this type of structure, I'll attempt to quickly answer that question now. As I mentioned, there wasn't a time when I was real excited about this process or journey to the decision to move to eldership to be completely transparent and vulnerable with you, it's because I have heard a lot of horror stories of unhealthy elder boards and what they have done to pastors and or churches at large. So, in all honesty, it scared me a little bit. The other reason, to be honest, is in that same vein, I have had lots of conversations with pastors who have had very unhealthy elder boards. I know of a few churches that are doing it well, which gives me hope that we can, too. The real reason we believe this level of leadership and accountability is good for our church is because it's pretty clear in Scripture, it's the best way to love. And I say the word love purposefully, because that is our overarching responsibility as leaders of the church, is to love God and to love others well. Now I want to transition a bit to how we're currently structured, in case you aren't aware. We have what we call a PAC, a pastoral advisory council. They we are we call staff led and PAC supported. I take my responsibility as your pastor and the leader of the church very seriously. I'm in constant prayer, searching, reading, learning, seeking God's heart and direction for his church here in Blue Ash. I then take that vision to our PAC and we ask the question: what is this? How does this impact us? What do we do, and where are we going? Our PAC and inv- advises they vote on everything from our budget to our raises, our hires, any leadership discipline, expansions, any expenses outside the agreed-upon budget, and so many other things. For example, they voted in favor and encouraged me to take my sabbatical this year. They are the people in my life, in all honesty, that have helped me pursue emotional, spiritual, and physical health. The past 10-plus years haven't always been easy on me and my family. But because I have a group of people that love me, that support me, that encourage me and believe in me, it truly has made all of the difference in the world. I honestly can't think of one single decision that's ever been made in a vacuum. What I mean by that is not one decision that I can think of was made outside of this PACS knowledge. One point of clarity on that, they do not have a vote on what we preach on, our preaching calendar, our weekly messages, the outreaches we do, Small groups, etc., but they do have influence on that. Meaning, they're invited to all of those conversations, all of our staff meetings, all of our retreats. Our pack has been invited, and they can have influence on all of those things. Currently, our pack is made up of a man named Dan Wheeler, Nick Anderson, Paul Altier, and Randy Broyles. Randy's right here sitting. If you want to raise your hand, with the exception of one of these men. I didn't know any of them before Blue Ash Community Church uh, was uh, planted. Over the years, though, many of these men have become some of my closest friends. They're more than just a counsel to me. They're friends. They're a board. They help me even through my own personal and life struggles. And I'm just naive enough to believe that our elder board will carry that same kind of role. We will move to an elder board in early 2024, because it seems like the perfect time to change our leadership structure in the middle of a build-out. <laughs> Once that shift has taken place, we'll no longer have an official PAC, uh, Pastoral Advisory Council. I say official because many of these people, some of them may move to elders, other of those are still gonna be friends, but I still hope to leverage them in my own personal life. As for eldership, let me start with who we believe cannot be an elder any other staff outside of the lead pastor, which is me. This may not always be the case, but we will certainly start there. There are good reasons not to have additional staff on your elder board, and there are plenty of good reasons to have staff on your elder board. For one, one of the challenges, let's assume there's a potential challenge going on with a staff member, and you have a staff member sitting in that conversation. makes it a little awkward. It's even more awkward if that staff person we're talking about is that person right? Another group of people that would be not able to be elders, as we've already talked about, are new converts, are new followers of Jesus. Again, this is about the maturity of their faith, not the length of time since they made the decision to follow Jesus. In order to have that sound doctrine, you need to be mature in your faith. Another group of people who cannot be elder, elders at this point would be staff or spouses to the staff, Again, for similar reasons already stated. But an example, if my wife was on the elder board with me and we only had three elders, you could see how that could be used to manipulate the direction or decisions being made. Some of you may have noticed that I said my wife couldn't be on the elder board because she was married to a staff member, but not because she's a woman. This is so highly debated so often among churches, one that we too wrestled with, we studied, We discussed and we prayed about. As a matter of fact, we openly discussed this journey last year. Many of you remember this. And to clarify that journey and discussion, we believe women can be elders. If you have an opposing position on the subject, honestly, I would love to talk to you. But here's what I would ask first. Please go back to the podcast we did on October 23rd twenty twenty two and listen to that podcast. That explains and lays out our journey to that decision. As a matter of fact, we'll make this easy on you. If you want that access to that podcast, you don't want to go search it for yourself, simply write Elder Podcast on your connect card, drop it in the offering when it goes by. I will personally email you that link so that you can listen to it. Make sure we have your updated contact information. In addition, this past summer I ran across a teaching. They had two teachings from the same church that went on a very similar journey that we did. Their explanation and research on the subject is even deeper than ours. I'll send you those two links as well. After you've listened to at least the message that we've done on the subject, then I'd be happy to have conversations with you. Please, if you're new around here, please understand, our heart is to honor God in the process of our seeking, and we want to honor what the biblical text says. We do hold this position open-handed, understanding there is a possibility we could be wrong. We do not believe we are, but we remain open-handed in the event we learn something else on this subject that would cause us to then come back together as a leadership team and start the journey all over to process, discuss, research, and pray all over again, and we are willing to do that if something like that happens. So with all that in mind, let's go back to the text that we read earlier through the lens of Blue Ash Community Church's belief system. The reason I left you, Paul says, in Crete, was that you might put in order what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be, we have all these things in our elder role description, must be blameless faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined, he must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. I imagine that you've noticed what I've noticed, right? Seems to be a lot of male pronouns in there, right? This is how our English translation has it. In the Greek, in the original language of the New Testament, Despite the male pronouns that we use in our English translation, there is only one reference to a male pronoun. There aren't any, they're absent. With the the single expression of a one woman man, which is translated in the New uh, Living or the, the NIV, which we just read, faithful to his wife, outside of that, in this passage, would indicate the role of, would not limit the role of eldership to men. Nothing in the Greek. Again, only the phrase that is relevant to women in eldership in this entire passage is the phrase, faithful to his wife. This phrase, I would argue, does not prohibit women from eldership. Instead, it contextually assumes that men will uh, comprise most positions of eldership in the Greco-Roman world, which this letter is addressed to. Let us not forget that in this time, in biblical times, when this was written, women were given less, much less access to education, very few opportunities for leadership or employment of any kind outside of the home. It would have been very unlikely in that day that women would fulfill the requirements to be an elder, which is both sad and disappointing in itself. The point here is that assumption does not mean it prohibits. The assumption that men would most likely be the ones to fulfill the position of elder doesn't mean women are excluded from the position of an elder. In one of the teachings from this uh, church that I referenced earlier, they have this, I think it's a great illustration. They said, imagine a golf club that had a sign that read, golfers must have their facial hair properly groomed. That sign or that statement assumes relevance for for the vast majority of golfers and clearly states the expectations of those with facial hair. But it does not prohibit men without facial hair from golfing, nor does it prohibit women from golfing. Assumption, again, does not mean it prohibits. Paul's phrase, faithful to his wife, is reflected to the majority group of whom he is writing, but it is not exclusive to the minority. If Paul wanted to clearly state and restrict women from elders the two qualification passages that we read would have been the obvious place to do so, where there are many other exclusions clearly outlined. But as it is written, Paul does not clearly restrict women from this role. Actually, we could probably say the opposite. Since women are not clearly outlined in the restrictions, we could argue that Paul is clearly saying that women are included in the office of eldership. So I've said a lot, I've explained a lot, Let me explain one last thing as it relates to Blue Ash Community Church. The how. How are we going to move forward toward eldership? Our our current PAC members are praying about, they're processing, they're discussing with their spouses if they are called to be an elder. In the event that nobody from our current pastoral advisory council wants to pursue eldership, they will be the team that helps us identify and work through the process of onboarding elders. We will start with who we have and expand from there. Again, if you have questions about this, put this on your connect card. Make sure we have your contact information. Drop it in the offering when it goes by in a few minutes. I will reach out to you. But again, please make sure we have that right contact information. If it's easier, you can email me, andy at blueashcc.com. I believe God's going to honor our journey up to this point. I'm excited about where we are and where we're headed. I'm excited about people being identified to help shepherd our church I'm excited about adding people to the elder team who love God, who loves our church, who's active in our church, who will help us better love our church and those who attend it. The call to ministry and the call to eldership isn't something that should be taken lightly. What I'd ask from all of you are your prayers. Prayers for me, prayers for our current pastoral advisory council for wisdom and discernment, and prayers for those who will eventually step in to this role of elder. Like I said, this is a little bit different kind of message, but I would say, as we'll talk about in the application piece of that, when you read through that passage of Scripture in, in Titus chapter 1 and you see the qualifications of an elder, these are qualifications I would argue that as Christ followers we should all aspire to live by, not just to be an elder. This is what the outflow of when God does a work in us, we should be naturally living like in these qualifications. So grab your Connect cards. I want to walk you through a few next steps. And again, you may have some next steps of your own. Write those down. Drop it in the offering when it goes by in just a few moments. The first action step is still, I think, accept Christ for the first time. This isn't like a call to action. Maybe you've heard this and you're like, I'm not sure. But you're here for a reason. You're listening to this for a reason. If God has stirred something in your heart, he's created questions for you. This is the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, that continues to chase you down. And when we say yes to Jesus, he begins to change us from the inside out. Last week, we celebrated uh, baptisms. If you were here, if you missed it, you really missed a party. We had nine people we were blessed to baptize and to watch their journey or to hear part of their stories. And somebody sent me a text afterwards about that, um, just talking about, like, my own personal excitement for that. And... I do not take the journey lightly. I remember where I was before I said yes to Jesus, and the journey to say yes to Jesus, and to publicly proclaim that decision. And it changed everything for me. I mean everything. I fully believe I would not be married right now had I not accepted Christ and found Christ in my life. I would not have four amazing kids. But since I did, he changed everything. And this is the opportunity to invite Jesus, the God of all creation, the one that doesn't make a mistake. He didn't make a mistake when he created you. You say yes to him, accept his love, his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness, and watch what he starts to do in you and through you. And if you've made that decision, check that box on your Connect card, drop in the offering, make sure you grab some free resources that we want to follow. The second next step is our memory verse for this series, which is right out of Romans, and it says, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we're children, then we're heirs, meaning we have access to all that God has access to. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may share in his glory. Sometimes I think we know this intuitively, but it's hard for us to put that into practice, to believe truly that we have the same spirit that lives in us that God had that when he defeated death and rose from the dead. That's God's spirit. He didn't give us his give us partial spirit. He gives us his whole self, and that's what we have access to. And here's the application. Pursue Jesus in the qualifications of eldership. Not everyone will be called to be an elder, but el- everyone is called to live the life Those qualifications are certainly qualifications to what it looks like to be an elder. But those are the the fruit that should be in our lives because we're followers of Jesus. The, The question really shouldn't be, do you have the qualifications? The question really is, are you called to be an elder? We should all be qualified if we're followers of Christ. The question isn't in the qualifications. The question's in the calling. And the fourth is receive prayer. We talk a lot about prayer. It's a journey that I've personally been on since my sabbatical and through my sabbatical of deepening my prayer life and finding different ways to pray and creating different avenues to express that and of what we're gonna to continue to press in. And I can't encourage you enough, first, to let people know of, of what your prayer requests are, to present those to your heavenly Father, but then allow people to, to come alongside you and pray with you. and There's lots of ways you can express that here. You can leverage the prayer wall in the back. You can write that prayer request on the tag. You want everybody to be praying for you. Make sure everybody can read it. If you just want the staff and the prayer team um, to pray for those. Make sure the, the writings face the wall. You can write your prayer requests on your Connect card. You can email us at prayer at blueashcc.com There's a form you can fill out on our website. Lots of ways that you can get prayer. But I think the best way is to receive prayer in person. We'll have prayer team up here on my right and back uh, in the back left corner. This is an opportunity for you to come up and just express what your prayer requests are and allow a team of people who are honored to pray for you and invite God into your situation. Maybe it's just a blessing. Maybe it's a praise. Maybe it's a challenging situation. Maybe it's just the hard times of the holiday season. Whatever those are, we'd be honored to pray alongside you and for you. Maybe you don't even know what you need prayer for, but you know you need prayer. Just come up and say, I just want prayer. And they will pray for you. Cross that line of fear. If you're like, I don't know, trust me. Just stand up, take a few steps, invite a team of people who love you, who are for you, to pray with you. We're gonna go ahead and receive our offering and thank you so much for your continued generosity in this place. Without your financial uh, assistance, there are lots of things we couldn't do. And, of course, if you want to drop your Connect cards in there as well, if you want to grab your communi- communion elements that you would receive when you walked in, and if you didn't grab any of those and you want one, by all means, you can jump up and grab those. But we do this almost every week not just in remembrance of what God has done, as Scripture tells us, but it's also a reminder for us individually that Christ lives in us, that Jesus did sacrifice it all for us. His body was broken. His blood was shed, which the wafer represents his body being broken, the juice, the blood that was shed on the cross for us. He was the perfect atoning sacrifice for us. He gives us complete access to God the Father. There's nothing that hinders us. So when we do this we do this in a remembrance not just of what he's done but what he's doing in us and through us let me pray God thanks thanks for the journey you have each and every one of us on so God we just ask you to come right now we thank you that your spirit lives in us that's active in us God when we think specifically about today's message of eldership and qualifications just remind us that we should all be qualified because we're followers of you and this is the fruit that naturally gets produced as we pursue and love you well. That will naturally love others well. That will naturally put, put aside these things uh, that the, these people in Crete struggled with. And God, if there's an area in our life that we are struggling, would you come, would you reveal that to us? Would you help us repent of those things? Say, that's who I used to be, that's not who I am. It doesn't define who I am. God, continue to do a work in us. Just come. How we love you. Thanks for always pursuing us and always loving us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You're free to sit or stand and receive prayer.